0: purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast.
2: My mind, you just wake up and and go rig.
0: Featuring World Series champion Will
2: Middlebrooks, high drive deep left field for Middlebrooks. Back and that is gone. Third home run of the day for Will Middlebrooks. The trifecta has the Red Sox on top, nine to nothing.
0: And MLB journalist Danny Vietti.
2: Vietti here. He's a, yeah, right-handed pitcher. He's six five. So you were right, Just thinking he's tall. He is pretty tall. You're from Cottonwood, California. No. Cottonwood, California. California. I don't know where I, that is. I don't know
0: where that is either. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
1: I'm kind of a big deal.
0: Here's Danny and Will. Hi, right,
1: people? It's good. This is the Wake and Rake Podcast, powered by Swing Juice. Swing the official merchandise provider of the Wake and Rake Podcast, Will Middlebrooks my normal co-pilot is on assignment. And that's really just like my fancy professional way of saying he's out picking eggs with his daughters. Cause it is Easter. He wanted some family time. He's also about to hit the road because he's about to make his Nesson debut for pre and post game live with the Red Sox. So make sure you tune into Nesson over the coming weeks. Cause you'll see your boy, my boy, Will Brooks on Nesson for pre and post game every, um, I, I don't know if it's a, every single game, but he'll be, uh, on there very regularly on Ness, and so make sure you tune in so it is easter big time for family hence i bring on my co-host my uh temporary co-host at least for this one episode my pops paul vietti um <laughs> keep, keep this in mind too before i bring you on dad this isn't a sign of things to come i know a lot of people were were worried about that Uh, some people were worried with will starting to do Nesson pre and post game live. How many episodes would we be able to do? We're still going to be turning out a lot of content. Will is boosting our podcast through Nesson as well. If you look on Nesson and his profile, it says the and rake podcast. So we are committed to pumping out lots and lots of content. So if you're worried, if you're just thinking like, it's just going to be Danny and his pops on here, that is not the case. I promise you that. But here's the thing, dad, thank goodness.
0: Thank goodness! I know
1: what a lot of people don't understand though, is that you actually work for Woodland high school. And so there, I mean, we have a lot of Red Sox listeners and a certain somebody went to Woodland high school by the name of Dustin Pedroia.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but yeah, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a legend in Woodland. So Woodland is uh, just, just North of Sacramento. Um, it's kind of a small town near a big town, so to speak. So it's kind of its own little entity there. Um, so anytime you mention Woodland High School or you mentioned the Woodland community, the first thing that pops into your mind, if you're any kind of a sports fan, but specifically a baseball fan, it's Dustin Pedroia. Um, padroya has got a little bit of competition lately because of another person that also went to Woodland High School uh, by the name of Alyssa Natkin. And she's been in the news a lot lately, obviously, because she's the first female MLB coach in the history of the sport. Um, and the, recently became the first one to actually get on the field and coach first base. And so she's been in the news a lot lately, too. But every to everywhere you turn, you see Pedroia everywhere. So it's Little League Fields, Pedroia. Um, There's the field where the high school played. You'll see his, his image there. And it's right next to the high school itself. And so everything around there, it's all about Pedroia. And then we just uh, sprinkle a little knack in here and there. And that's a, a very prideful community in Woodland.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up, Alyssa. That's a perfect transition because in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the biggest moments from the first week, week and a half or so from the uh, MLB 2022 season. We've had a lot happen. Otani went deep three times in two games. We've had, we should have seen this one coming. We've already had uh, unwritten rules, controversy with the Giants and the Padres. Uh, we've had a perfect game that was taken away from, Arguably the greatest pitcher of his generation, we will get into that. And then also we're going to be breaking down our most impressive team and player and in our most disappointing team and player, and also the biggest surprises so far through one week and a half of the MLB 2022 season. But first and foremost, it is our headlines and you already brought up Alyssa Nakken; She made major league baseball history as the first woman to coach on the field in a regular season game after she took over for the first base coach after he was ejected in San Francisco, when they were playing San Diego, it was a 13 2 win over the Padres. And she said that we're all inspirations doing everything that we do on a day to day basis. This carries a little bit more weight because of the visibility. Obviously there's a historical nature to it, but again, this is my job and you being a Woodland high school softball coach, where she played her softball and had a historic career. They ever went on to Sac state. Um, was there a different feel in the air when you were actually on campus the next day did people kind of understand what was going on and the the weight yeah i've
0: I've only been at woodland high school for this would be my fourth year but um a lot of my colleagues so my classroom i teach there as well so my teach my my classroom is is close to others who have been there for a long time and they have pictures of her up when she was you know 17 years old and of course they have dustin up there as well and and it's just really big prideful. Everyone came into to me and because um, we got, we also like the local TV station started asking about me as being the varsity softball coach. And we had our local, like our, our players talking about it and the buzz around practice that day from the girls was just everybody was hyped about it and of course instead of going to a having a normal banquet after the year everyone wants to go to a giants game and we're going to make it a list day so right. we're going to have a bunch of people coming from our school we're all going to go down to a giants game and go watch and and make posters and make signs and you know root her on and that kind of stuff so i got to meet her parents too which was really cool um we had an list of Natkin day actually it was last year um she wasn't able to make it because she was at spring training but we did a big thing, and her parents came out, and it was really neat. They seemed like a great family. And the good thing about her, and you hear this about a lot of people, and Dustin's the same way, is they're just great people. Not even just great athletes and great minds of the game, but they're actually just really good people, and and people really respect that. So,
1: yeah, all the players I've talked to that because you know we had Brandon Crawford on the show last year. He's played with under Alyssa uh, on the Giants over the last couple of seasons. She's as much respected respected by her peers as she is knowledgeable so everything she's gotten has been earned and i really hope this just kind of popped in my head i hope for those listening on our youtube channel they don't understand that will midterbrooks is on assignment and they just look at your photo and they just assume <laughs> that will Mitterbrooks turned into a 51 year old bald-headed old man within like two weeks i really and, hope that,
0: and basically turned into you in about 30 years is that what you're trying to
1: say i'm not gonna be bald I'm starting to lose. I'm getting my gray hair a little bit slowly, but uh, that's a goal of mine. I'm going to be looking like Pete Rose and dyeing my hair left and right. Clayton Kershaw, I know you're fired up about this. I know a lot of baseball fans were disappointed to see this happen. He had a perfect game through seven innings in Minnesota, 80 pitches, 12 strikeouts. He was removed from the game. After the game, Kershaw said he agreed with the decision from dave roberts to take him out of that perfect game
0: what was the conversation with dave roberts in the ultimate decision to come out
2: yeah it's hard you know i feel bad for uh for barnsey you know barnsey did such a great job and it's fun to get to catch one of those and so i, I wanted to do it with barnsey you know um it'd be special and but at the end of the day those are those are individual things those are those are selfish goals and we're trying to win you know and um that's that's really all we're here for and as much as I would have wanted to do it, I've, I've thrown 75 pitches in a sim game, you know, and I hadn't gone six innings, let alone seven. And um, sure, I would have loved to have do it. But, um, you know, maybe we get another chance. Who knows? In the moment, can you reconcile all of that? Yeah. There was no part of you that wanted to fight to stay in or anything? I just said, I, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have stayed. But bigger things, man, bigger things.
1: That perfect game was lost. The very next inning after that, Gary Sanchez broke it up. The team perfect game was gone. The single pitcher perfect game gone. Your thoughts on taking out Kershaw? Do you agree or disagree?
0: I well, I texted you right after that and said, "What the heck?" So uh, you know that you know. I'm an I'm an old dude. I'm an old head. I'm kind of the the old school baseball guy, and I, but I try to really understand the new school. I try to understand. Um, you know, pitch counts and and the opener and try to really get into it that way. But I'll be just blunt, honest with you. Like, this is, that was ridiculous.
1: You're an A's I, fan. Too, so you have to try. You're an A's fan. You have to understand, try to at least understand. The,
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, and so you know? I, I, but by watching that style and watching that I get it, but when you have Clayton Kershaw's won a world series, Clayton Kershaw has, has thrown no hitter. Clayton, He's never thrown a perfect game. I, You've got to give him that shot. And I know that he said that he agrees with it, but there's no way Dave Roberts walked up to him and said, Hey, do you want to go? If, if he said, do you want to go? He'd be like, heck yes. I'm out there. Give me out there. Give me on the bump. Let me go. Let me finish this off. You can, I just don't understand. I understand that, you know, you got to work through the season, but give him an extra start off, like give him an extra week off after that. If he ends up throwing 110 pitches but you got to give him that shot. I don't know how you don't get, what are there 20 something in the history of the game?
1: 23. That would have been the 24th <sighs> in the 150 years of major league baseball. I, I, look, I agree. He should have been left out there. I think, and you
0: know, Will would agree with us too. You know, he would.
1: Oh, I texted me and Brooks we were texting back and forth as it was always going down. And, and here's what Brooksie would say. I don't want to speak for him, but he would have also agreed with the decision. He would have been disappointed as much of us were though too. I personally think the majority of baseball fans that are cognizant of what's going on, they understand the developments, they understand what Kershaw has gone through over the past couple of years. He was injured the entire second half of last season. He only had one simulated start before the regular season, and he only got his pitch count up to sixty to seven, I guess sixty five pitches. So now he reaches eighty in his very first start of the regular season. He has the fourth most innings pitched among active pitchers. That does not include postseason innings, which we all know how he's fared in the postseason. Not too well, at least coming out of the bullpen, that's for sure. So a lot of innings in that arm. A lot of innings, a lot of wear and tear. Surgeries included as well. First start of the season, it was cold. It was like 35 degrees in Minnesota that night, or that afternoon, I should say. As a fan, of course, I wanted to see a perfect game. It would have been great for the game. You know, it's it's more exposure for baseball. It's Clayton Kershaw, one of the biggest faces in Major League Baseball today. It's a Los Angeles Dodgers huge name in baseball, obviously. But I understand it, and I do think you're, at the you're end of the pitcher,
0: you understand that as well. But I still don't think that twenty more pitches was going to do the no, damage with you. for the rest of the year. That's no, my
1: I, I, I'm hundred percent with you there. I think right. I think this is a decision that should have been. Discuss with Clayton personally. I think when you're at this point in your career, you're 34 years old. You like you said, world. He's won a World Series. He's thrown a no hitter. He's reached the top of the summit multiple times in different facets. Ask Clayton. This is up to you, man. And I, mm-hmm. I Dave, Dave, was asked, you know, what went into this decision making. Um, it's unknown how much say Clayton had exactly, just because we weren't in the dugout. But if I was the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, I would have walked up to Clayton and said, look. You're at this many pitches. You had one simulated start. We're trying to win a world series here, but you know, what's at stake. It's your decision. That's what I would have done if I was Dave Roberts. And if Clayton wanted out, if he wants to win ball games, all power to him and he take him out and we move on. But if Clayton wants to go back out there and here's my thing to add on to that point, it's kind of like the butterfly effect. If we never have the lockout Clayton Kershaw likely is staying in that game. So, You would have had a normal spring training if there was not MLB lockout, meaning pitchers, including Kershaw, could have built their arms up to 80-90 pitches instead of 70-80. Okay, and so you give Kershaw one more inning, you let him go out for the eight. Let's say hypothetically he has a 10-15 pitch inning. Now he's looking at 90 pitches through eight. You are not taking out Clayton Kershaw with one one inning to go with 90 pitches you're not doing it. You're giving it away. You know, one always
0: hear sure about the, you got you to protect the player. And I get that, you know, because the, they're always going to want to go out there. You hear that a lot when it comes to injuries and when, when it comes to uh, keeping their health. But there are, it's just like any rule or any law, there's exceptions to every rule and there's exceptions to every law. And that's the, that is the exception. It's Clayton
2: Kershaw.
1: But we that can agree. Is we, the exception. We can agree on this one point butterfly effect, which I just mentioned. It's all Rob Manfred's fault, as everything is. So we can agree it's all on That's Rob Manfred. We That's can agree fair. on that. We, he's fair. always a scapegoat for every problem with baseball, so let's just con- <laughs> we can just continue that.
0: All, all I can say is this, is Rob better send another gift to Clayton Kershaw. I know he sent a gift to every single player, but he better send an extra gift to Clayton. Just saying.
1: A couple injury updates. Mike Trout was hit on the hand uh, in a game against Texas on Sunday. Those x-rays came back negative. So that's huge news for the angels. They're off to a five and four start. Um, they can't win too many games without one of, if not the greatest player in baseball, Byron Buxton slid into second base after a kind of wonky play out in left field. It was a weird slide at second base. He feared he tore something. Good news. Byron Buxton is going to be day to day. He's going to miss a few games, but nothing was torn according to the MRI. So that's huge. Byron Buxton, the guy that's only eclipsed hundred games once in his career one of the most talented players in the game when on the field, he just needs to stay healthy. But those are, yeah, I, I, good, that's I, I, good news. Byron,
0: Byron, I'm to be honest, Byron can be Mike Trout if, if, yeah. if, if allowed to be, I mean, that's how talented he is. Just I, when I watch him play, I love watching Byron play just because the all out hustle. I mean, that's probably why he gets injured too, because of the way he plays, but uh, I love watching him play. He's just, you know, he's got that same talent that Trout has really where he's that five tool player.
1: Yeah, other than the uh, motorcycle accident, Tatis goes through that too. Uh, Just going too hard on the field, you know, trying to make the exciting play. Speaking of Texas, and we talked about Trout's injury and the Angels were in Texas. This was interesting to say the least. Corey Seager intentionally walked with the bases loaded in the fourth inning Friday night. Now, Texas wound up scoring two runs after the fact. So Seager got the Barry Bonds treatment, bases loaded. Mitch Garver was on deck, and they intentionally walked Corey Seager. Now, Corey Seager is a good player. Is he Barry Bonds? I'll let you make that decision. Two runs ended up scoring after the walk. There was a sack fly, and then the pitcher actually ended up balking in a run right after the sack fly. However, the Angels actually won the ball game 96. So get this. I got a good stat for you. In Major League Baseball history, seven times – as a manager, intentionally walked a opposing hitter with the bases loaded. Those teams are seven and oh in MLB history. A team has never lost wow. when they intentionally walk. So, point being, anytime you have the bases loaded, just intentionally walk them and you're automatically going to win the game. That's stats. Wow. show. It. stats don't lie. Wow,
0: that's where did you find that stat? That is crazy.
1: Foolish baseball, foolish, wow. yeah, foolish baseball. Uh, hat tip to him for that stat. It's, it's pretty incredible. But,
0: that that's impressive. I mean, obviously, when you're when you're watching that, I mean, to be honest with you, when I when I saw and I was watching what the, the hell Union is Joe Barry Madden pop, doing? It's, well, th- you heard what he said. He said something to the effect of, "I was just trying to, you know, spark people up, and it was trying to give a spark." But you saw some of the looks of of, of his own uh, members of his team while he was doing it, rolling their eyes and like, "What the heck are you doing?" That
1: trout was counting had they the lost
0: that party. game? What's- had they lost that game? Is is Madden in the hot seat already? I bet he is.
1: I don't know about Hossie. I don't
0: know. He he's uh, he's a different cat, let's be honest. I mean, he was the one that that, you know, started the whole turn the rays around. He obviously won a World Series with the Cubs, and he's always done weird different stuff and and
1: so when he was but- with Chicago, you remember when he was with Chicago and their lineup was going through struggles, and you know the uh the, you would know this cuz you're old. Uh, <laughs> you know the old uh 1980 song 867530 oh, Yeah, yeah. He did his lineup order in that <laughs> order of like positions. So he had did eight, he win that six, game? seven. So he went eight, so center field, six, shortstop, seven, left field, eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. I don't know what <laughs> did he did. he win that zero. game?
0: That's the question. So we got to ch- check with your boys at Foolish. He did it
1: twice. He did okay. it twice. I okay. don't know. I don't have that record on deck, but that's wow. Joe Madden in a nutshell. That is Joe Madden in a nutshell.
0: So it's almost like, when he does the unconventional stuff, you almost just pass it off because it's Joe Matt. Ah, that's just Matt.
1: But over over the
0: course of a season, if you're going to make decisions like that, and it's going to, and you're actually in the playoff race, let's be honest, the Angels haven't been in the playoff race. So those, those one games, those one decisions, those one things haven't, you know, come to fruition and and created a controversy around it. But if they are in it for a chance at a playoff spot this year, which I know you predicted them to win the AL West, which is a bold prediction, but they actually should be in it at least for, you know, at least for a playoff spot this year, and that could come back, but they ended up winning the game, so who knows?
1: Fourth inning, it's April. Corey Seager. Uh Corey Seager is a really good player. Like, Corey Seager, I think he won the NLCS MVP a couple years ago. When he's hot, he's hot. But the guy, it's Corey Seager, guys. Like, like we're not pitching to Acuna here. We're not pitching to (laughs) Trout here. Uh, Mike Trout's on your team, Joe. Corey Seager is a good player. You should not be intentionally walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded. I don't care what you say about it. That is he's, got, wrong. he's
0: got three guys on his team that I can almost understand bases loaded walk, but not anybody else on the other team.
1: <laughs> yeah, like Otani's up, okay, maybe. Trout's up, okay, maybe. Not Corey Seager. Come on. I'd even, I'd even walk Rendon before I, before I walk Seager. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. okay. Let's not disrespect Seager too much. <laughs> okay. Your Oakland A's, Pops. They went five Uh, and five on their road trip. Okay, so the Oakland A's traded away last month. Sean Manaya, All-Stars, Chris Bassett, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson sent out the farm. They're just a farm system, basically, for the entire league. They gave them, uh, I think they gave some team their soda machine. We talked about that on the last podcast. They probably gave away their equipment manager for a little bit of cash as well. They went five and five against the Tampa Bay Rays. They won the series against the Tampa Bay Rays, three out of four. They lost two or three to the Phillies and they split with Toronto. So they went five and five, a team that completely lost their heart and soul. They come back and they win five out of, five out of 10. Well, That's the problem with a, the A's. As an
0: A's fan, it's honestly frustrating. Um, I, I I almost want them to lose, if that makes sense. I want them to get their butt kicked. And I, I, I feel like Billy Bean and company, David Forrest, the, the higher ups with the A's, they make it so easy on the owner to just pinch, 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 and never spend any money. And Olsen goes away, Chapman goes away, and then we get this guy, Christian Pache, who's, like, lighting it up. And and I, it's it, it's almost like I want them to fail so that they can see how it hurts the fan base to constantly get rid of everybody. Shamanaya goes bye-bye. Frankie Montas was almost traded. Like, And I, it's almost like I want it to hurt, and the next thing you know, they're competing... They're playing fine. They're sitting around 500. They're doing what they always do. And it's almost like too easy for the ownership. I, I, almost, I almost, I'm rooting for them to lose as, as sad as that seems.
1: No, I think to put a bow on what you're saying is you want them to stop being rewarded for hurting the fans and hurting the game itself. You look in the fans in Oakland on a day-to-day basis. They had a series against Seattle last year and that series combined, it was a two game series. Keep that in mind but they had to combine 8,000 in attendance for two games. I mean, Fenway's got 8,000 just behind the seats. The Dodgers have 20,000 just behind, uh, or excuse me, behind home plate. That's bad for baseball. And so I've said this time and time again on this podcast, Billy Bean continues to give the Oakland A's an excuse to not spend money. Why? Because he's proven time and time again that you don't have to spend money. And so their owner who is one of the richest, according to Forbes, in Major League Baseball he, in, in, uh, in regards to net worth. So he's changed the Oakland A's. He purchased the Oakland A's back in 2005 for about $500 million. The Oakland A's, they just released this, Forbes did. The Oakland A's are now worth $1.17 billion. And in that time, they've won, I think, I don't know the stats in front of me, something like four division titles over that span, maybe if not more. So they're a competitive team and they don't spend money and their owner has more than doubled the worth of the team all because they're in the worst
0: ballpark in, in, in all of major league baseball, worst conditions, the worst um, facilities um,
1: argue, argue. So why would argue you different. go spend money? Because you exactly. can clearly go. That's a
0: frustrating part, but
1: here's the thing that's, too, yeah. is you look at Tampa Bay and everyone's like, well, Tampa Bay's doing the same thing. Well, Tampa Bay gave Wanda Franco 200 mil. And then they're like, well, what about the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yes, they refuse to spend money, too. But guess what? They just gave Cabrian Hayes their top prospect $70 million extension, which is, by the way, this might surprise you. That is the richest contract the Pittsburgh Pirates have ever handed out to a player. The previous one, you'll remember this name because you're an Oakland fan, Jason Kendall in 2000. Really? $60 million was the
0: a McCutcheon never got a contract with him, huh?
1: Nope. Not a big one, I mean. Nope, him, Starling Marte, Garrett Cole, that, that, that tribe right there that was kind of the next coming of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They never got that extension, never got that big-time contract to wow. Brian Hayes. And then the Guardians, too. Guardians, that's Cleveland's another, quote-unquote, small market team. Well, they just handed out $126 million to Jose Ramirez. So the only team left that refuses to hand out anything is the Orioles, although they are still playing, uh, paying Chris Davis on the way. They have their own, they have their own, who's the, uh, Bobby Bonilla, Bonilla, their own Bobby Bonilla situation going on there in Oakland, but Oakland's winning games. Baltimore's not Baltimore looks, although they did win the series against New York, good job. O's. But Oakland's winning games. They're not spending money. And that's, that's the problem with it all. Truly. Yeah. I agreed. I agreed. Let's keep it in the Bay. We talked about unwritten rules. Here we go again. It's 2022. And of course we're still talking about this bullshit, but Mauricio Dubon, San Francisco Giants bunted for a base hit in the ninth inning. Excuse me, in the sixth inning, while they were up by nine runs against the San Diego Padres. Bob Melvin was none too happy with the bunt uh, attempt, and it was a successful bunt attempt. Your thoughts? You're an older guy. I kind of want to get your traditional viewpoint on bunting while up nine runs in the sixth inning. I
0: think there's some kind of it's not really an unwritten rule. It's just when you're when you're smacking someone, there's certain things you don't do. You don't steal. You don't lay one down. I didn't honestly think nine one was in that category though. Um, when I, as, as a high school coach and I've coached baseball and I'll coach softball, my, my kind of in interior rule is 10 runs. When you're at double digits, we're going to, we're going to slow down. We're not going to steal. We're not going to um, that's at that the high school level. I, I, I definitely think you can come back from nine one at the major league level. Um, but I also feel like, like Gabe Kapler came out and said, look, i have no problem throw out the unwritten rules and i have no problem with that even as an old head even as an old dude what i would have a problem is and this is where um you've talked about this before on on this podcast how dave roberts is kind of contradictory when he does that sometimes where he'll 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 argue for his player but then when that somebody else does it uh, on the opposite way then he doesn't back that the other the opposing player so i have no problem with throw out the unwritten rules and you go for it especially now when they've when part of the tiebreak rule is possibly run differential, you've got to score runs like that. That's, that's in the, that's in there now. So to make the playoffs run differential might be a thing. So I get that, but I sure hope Gabe Kepler or anybody in the giants do, doesn't complain about some kind of quote unquote unwritten rule that happens to them on the backside. So as long as they're not going to bitch and complain about it, I'm good.
1: That's yeah, a two way street. And Gabe mentioned it in the post game conference or, it was the next day actually.
2: Everybody is competing on a major league baseball field. Doesn't make any sense to have one part of the field stop competing and the other part of the field keep competing. I can't think of a reason why that makes right. sense. Pitcher on the mound is trying to get you out, batter at the plate, stops competing with all of the tools at his disposal. I've never I've never quite understood it. I don't understand it now, and I don't think that the best way um, to play this game is to take away any of your tools to be successful on a major league baseball field like, what's the threshold one team thinks it's eight runs in the sixth inning another team thinks you just keep you know keep going after it as long as you're early in the game but there's no real you know cutoff point that's a a tough place to, to be I, I don't think that there should be any of that personally clearly um, but at the same time I understand that we all have different opinions and vantage points on this, and those. it's okay, we don't have to see this the same way. What we've always said as a club, and what we'll maintain is, if we don't want a team to bunt, we will defend the bunt. If we don't want a team to steal, we will defend the steal. If we don't want a team to swing 3-0 late in the game, we'll throw a ball, right? So it's we have so much control on our side that we don't have to worry about what other teams decide to do or or decide not to do. It's as simple as that like
1: he summed it up perfectly well Endowed
0: remember when mention, Tatis hit the home run remember when Tatis thing. hit the home run yeah yeah, yeah, so.
1: yeah. like like it's Bob Melvin yeah. and I understand yeah. that Bob Melvin wasn't the manager of the Padres when Tatis hit that 3-0 granny against Texas and Chris Woodwork threw, threw a fit and called his mom and complained and told his mom <laughs> to go into the principal's office and tell him that he was getting bullied uh, but you're the manager of the Padres you have to understand you have a guy like Tatis that is single-handedly you not know, single-handedly, but, but he, he everything that Tatis does makes headlines. Mm-hmm. And he has had a lot of say in changing the game and being this, you know, the bat flip in, the celebrations, the flair, which I love, a lot of fans love. So you have to understand that when you're the manager of the Padres, you're not going to just completely change that culture. And in my opinion, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You're, it's the sixth inning. Okay, this is the major league. This is the big leagues. These guys get paid to play. If he wants to bump for a base hit, let him bump for a base hit. And not to mention, bunting for a base hit is not easy, guys. Like, here's that was my problem with the whole thing. It's like Bob Melvin's throwing up his hands as if he got cheated or as if they're just, like the Padres are just rolling over and giving the game. No, if you don't want him to bunt, then go walk over to Gabe Kapler and say, here's the white towel, Mm -hmm. and we're done. We'll call it. Mercy rule. We're done. But until that happens, bunting for a base hit is not easy against 95. It's not
0: play the game. Play the game. I mean, play the game, make the outs. And then like I said, I wasn't I wasn't too disappointed. They're they're up nine-one. That's not that's not in the sixth inning. That's not even that bad. So it's not even that that lopsided. So especially with all the shifts going on and all that stuff, bunting. I this is my old head coming in. Bunt the freaking ball. Put that in play more. More times we can put it in play, the better. I think that's better for the game.
1: Let's move on. I want to talk about our most uh, biggest impressions, biggest disappointments so far through the first week and a half. Cause I know you got to get down to a flight because you're headed down to Disneyland.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to going down there and hanging out and uh, with Mike Troutland down there. But um, the biggest surprise for me, and I think it's only a surprise because of their history is, is the New York Mets. Like I knew that they had the talent. They'd never really put it together. I know we've only been playing a couple weeks, you know, we're early on in the season, but I mean, I've, I've always loved Lindor. Um, Watching, getting to watch Starling Marte on a daily basis as an A's fan last year when they got him for half of a season. God, I love that guy. That guy plays hard. I love the way he plays. Um, I think he's going to be a superstar in New York. Um, And if they can just, if their pitching just stays healthy, they're going to be very good. They are, that is a tough lineup to get through.
1: Well, you mentioned pitching, staying healthy. So they're off to a seven and three start. And by the way, they don't have Taewon Walker, who was an all-star last year. And they don't have Jacob DeGrom, who is arguably the – not even arguably. He's the best pitcher in the game when he's healthy. It's unarguably, he's better than Garrett Cole. He's better than Scherzer. He's better than Kershaw, Walker Bueller. He's the best pitcher in the game. And they're 7-3. Now, they beat up on the Nationals. They beat up on the Diamondbacks. So, you know, how much do we see – you know, how much are we going to take away from beating up on bad teams? I don't know. It's still early on in the season. But a 7-3 and three start without two of your best starters in that rotation. Chris Bassett looks phenomenal. Mark Canna has been out with COVID protocol as well. So they don't even have all their depth yet. They don't have all their rotation pieces yet. And they're off to a seven and three start. Very impressive. I agree with the Mets. They were my most impressive team as well. <laughs> uh, we did not share our oh. uh, most impressive, most disappointing. So it's interesting that we both had the same team there. What about your most impressive player from week one?
0: Um, most impressive player would probably be Marte um, for me. And I, I that's totally biased on, based on what I watched last year, but Getting I got to watch a couple of the, the Mets games and and again just just watching him not even just offensively but what he does defensively too and, and helps everybody and it's very vocal leader and you can see that so I'd probably go with Starling Martin.
1: I'm to go with Say Suzuki because I was yeah, I was
0: that's a good pick.
1: Big time bandwagoning on Seiya Suzuki because I started looking at his film, I started looking at his swing. And I started looking at his two-strike approach, and I'm like, this is going to work, guys. Like, he's not just some other guy that's coming over from overseas. This guy's different. He's 9 for 22 to start off his career. That's a 409 batting average. His OPS, 1442. 10 RBIs, three homers. I mean, he's tearing the cover off the ball. And the Cubs, he has them at about 500 right now. And a lot of that is because of him. I mean, they lead the league in double plays, grounding into double plays. So the rest of their lineup isn't exactly doing the job. So say Suzuki has just been driving runs in left and right. Yeah, it's not, not like he's really got.
0: Yeah, that. it's not like he's got Chris Bryant behind him and and Baez behind him and you know he's doing it on his own. That is that's a that's a very impressive. Good pick.
1: Most disappointing team for you.
0: Um, <laughs> so again, we'll go back to my biases. So my disappointment is that the A's are still doing okay. <laughs> <That's> my <laughs> most disappointing pick. I wanted them to get buried. Wanted them to get buried after this last offseason and, and actually still continuing because you know they're still going to get rid of some of their players. As soon as they get value of some of these players that, let's be honest, nobody ever heard of, they're going to be trading them away too.
1: I'm going with the Phillies because I think a lot of people had high aspirations and in, in the team included, obviously. They had playoff hopes. And so far, I mean, their lineup looks good. Schwarber hit another bomb on Sunday. Harper hit another one. But the problem is they were already losing by – eight runs to Miami and so you get three you lose three out of four in Miami I understand it's like the Marlins you know it's their first home weekend you know the excitement in the building sometimes teams play above what they're capable of doing and Miami's not a terrible team but if you want to be a playoff team we just talked about the Mets how they beat up on bad teams you have to beat up on the bad teams it's early plenty of time obviously to turn it around but the Phillies losing three out of four to the Marlins. They lost to the Mets. And then they lost, or excuse me, they took two or three from Oakland, which was great. You got to beat up on the bad teams if you want to uh, win this division.
0: They, they your- have the same problem they always have, it seems like. And that's as they, they have a lead almost every game, it feels like, and because of that lineup. And then they blow it. And, or or they just can't sustain it. Or it they, just have, they always have a hiccup, either... It may not be on the back end. Everybody looks at the seventh, eighth, ninth inning on the back end, but it's not. It's that fifth, sixth inning. And then next thing you know, teams are scoring runs on them and then they get behind and then they're, you know, trying to trying to get it all back in one. And they and Castellanos has been great. And that lineup is amazing. But I, I don't Rotation know. Rotation. It's almost, it's really almost like watching the Angels on the East Coast. That's what it feels like
1: interesting comment. And is Aaron Nola is your is he an ace I mean six seven five year a through his two starts I think he's a great pitcher but is he an ace that remains to be seen maybe Zach Wheeler is that ace. what about let's close up shop here with your biggest surprise
0: um surprise player wise um so I guess I, I wrote it down as my disappointment and that's mm-hmm. at, that's Mookie Betts um I don't know if that's what you were going at but that um, it, it's surprising to me that he's still uh, something's up with him. I don't know. I, and I haven't watched him every single game this year, but, you know, just watching him, he's, he's a little bit behind on the fastball. He's, he's reaching. That is not like him. He's usually very disciplined. And so, again, it's very early. He had a disappointing year last year. Um, they got Freddie Freeman in the lineup. That lineup's amazing. He should have plenty of protection, and I just expected him to score 130 runs this year. And it just doesn't seem like he's just playing. It's almost like we lost the lost this the small ball with Mookie. He could do everything before. He could bump for a hit. He could he could run out an infield hit. He could hit it in the gaps. He could hit it out of here. But it's it now it, he's he's going to that strikeout or nothing type of a thing, and that mm-hmm. that it bothers me because I love Mookie bet.
1: Uh, Mookie's got a 174 average coming into Sunday, has yet to have an extra base hit. So I think that's fair to say, especially coming off a disappointing 2021. I'm going with the St. Louis Cardinals as my biggest surprise. I thought the NL Central was going to be very down this year. And again, still early, week and a half through the first or uh, week and a half through the 2022 season. So there's still time for teams to fall, still time for teams to rise to the top. Cardinals are off to a five and three start. Albert Poolholes has hit a couple bombs already. Nolan on auto has been the best hitter in the national league, or at least one of through the first week and a half in the rotation. I had big time question marks going into it. They all of a sudden threw Jordan Hicks into the starting rotation, who was their closer before he was injured. He's throwing 102 mile an hour sinkers left and right. And he's thrown five innings out there. It's impressive. So you can, I mean, I, Adam Wainwright is your ace. I don't know about that. And then there was Miles Michaelis who was coming off of injury. And then there's Dakota Hudson who's coming off of injury. You have an age rotation. And then you just replace him with a guy like Jordan Hicks who's throwing 102 mile an hour wiffle balls. Very impressive. So they, they've impressed me through the first week and a half. I didn't have high expectations for the Cardinals. I thought they were old. I thought it was just going to be a swan song season for Yachty, Waino, and Pujols but they're winning games just as St. Louis does. So that was my question is
0: going to be like when you roll this tape back in a couple of months, where are they at? So that's the biggest question. I mean, if Wayne knows what he's 40 years old, dang, he's like pulling a Tom Brady on
1: us. By the way, Brett Phillips, you had to see Brett Phillips in his pitching outing and he made a catch at the wall that saved a, a home run and he made a diving catch in right field. He also, this is my favorite moment from the week and a half is he had a home run wearing the wristband of a little girl, uh i believe she was eight years old she gave him a wristband before the game and it was for good luck while she was being interviewed during the game she's battling her second round of cancer wow. while she's being interviewed during the game brett phillips hits his first home run of the season wow. wearing her wristband That's so that awesome. was pretty cool i mean it's awesome. it doesn't get any better than that man this is what sports are all about this is what we've missed over the last few months of baseball not being here we had the 2020 condensed season but baseball's back and it's better than ever
0: well, you talked about this a little bit too, just the fact that baseball in itself seems to have a buzz to it at the beginning of this year. And I didn't expect that, especially after the lockout. Um, now we've kind of gotten back in the swing of things Of obviously, you know, the basketball playoffs is going, that kind of stuff, back into our routine. And you kind of thought that those things would take over, but I, I, maybe it's just me because I'm a baseball freak, as you are, but baseball is, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of buzz to it right now. A lot of people talking about it, a lot of people watching
1: it right now, which is cool. There's a lot of people talking about the Wake and Rake podcast powered by Swing Juice as well. And we will have Will Middlebrooks back from his assignment. He'll be here to talk more about some behind-the-scenes stuff with Nesson. He'll be able to talk about the Red Sox and their starts of the season as well. Next time on the Wake and Rake podcast, part of people.